talking about, uh, we've been in the series, End Game. What is your end game, ultimate end game? Uh, ultimately, uh, salvation is the ultimate end game. But other than that is being successful in the battlefield. So we're going to recap from last week. Leanna, wherever she is, thank you, did an amazing job last week. Give it up for Leanna. So we're going to just jump right in. And I'm going to pray first. How about that? How about that? <clears throat> Lord God, I just pray that um, this word is able to penetrate our hearts, our minds, Lord God. And uh, not only just penetrate our hearts and our minds, but we can apply it to our lives, Lord God, and, and just in every area of our life. I just pray that you just anoint every word that comes out of my mouth and use me as conduit, Lord God, as your willing vessel. In Jesus' name, I just pray and thank you for who's on the other side of my obedience and for and just for these awesome students and leaders that are here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, now, let's jump into the word. So, the end game, to be successful in battle, we need to, number one, know your enemy, your BFF, your friend, your mom, your dad, uh, you know what I'm saying? Susie, Rick, whoever, is not your enemy. So, you have, we have an enemy, and as children of God, that enemy is Satan, Lucifer, uh, the tempter. He has many names. Loser. We can just keep on going. But know your enemy. So your enemy studies you profusely. He knows your weaknesses, your strengths, and he studies you. And that way he comes up with a strategy to come against you. So you got to know your enemy. You don't just walk into this thing blindly and not knowing, you know, what you're up against. So know your enemy. You, you need to know your weapons that God has equipped us. So God has equipped us with weapons to combat the enemy's strategies and schemes against us. And then next, you need to have a strategy. You don't just go out there with a sword swinging around like, ah! You know? You got to have a strategy. You might get hurt. So, so the first piece of armor that we talked about was what? The belt of truth. And the truth is what? God's opinion in any and every matter in our life. So truth. Not our truth. So sometimes we have our truth. And that's what's whatever we feel. You know, I, I, yeah, I think it's true. So I'm going to go with it. No, God's truth is what we're talking about. The belt of truth. So in Matthew 4, uh, 4, 4, it says, But he answered, It is written that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So God's word is truth. And we apply that to any and every area of our life. So putting on the belt of truth helps us uh, with the armor of God. So the armor of God found in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 18 is made of the, of the following items. Uh, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit. And there should be an additional one, and that's prayer, because prayer is what activates all of these weapons in our lives. But we're going to get to that towards the end of this series. So today, we're going to continue with the breastplate of righteousness. Okay, good. I'm just saying where they're at. Good job up there. So we're going to continue with the breastplate of righteousness, and the sole purpose of the breastplate of righteousness in the Roman, uh, with a Roman soldier or any soldier is to protect the vital organs, the heart, kidneys, liver, all your vital organs, but especially your heart. So this is designed, so in battle and in warfare, if the enemy's trying to, trying to jab at you with a sword or a spear to protect your vital 
organs. So that's why it is vital for us to put on, after we put on the belt of truth, God's standard on, uh, around our life, it's, it's so vital for us to put on the, the breastplate of righteousness. And righteousness literally means justice. The quality of being upright, fulfilling, fulfilling an expectation set in a relationship, righteousness, upright living that aligns with the expectations of God. It's also uh, concerns ethical conduct, how you carry yourself, how you act, how you be acting when you're out in public, when people you don't think people around, how you you know conduct your, and hold yourself. That's righteousness. So. The breastplate of righteousness refers to the righteousness purchased for us by Jesus Christ on the cross. So when Jesus Christ died for our sins, not only did he die for our sins, but we also got a gift of righteousness on top of that. But we're going to get into that towards the end of this. So 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, For our sake, he, being him up above, made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So in order for us to become the righteousness of God, Jesus had to uh, sacrifice himself in order for that to happen. So in order for us to put on this breastplate of righteousness, we're going to look at some different standards because there's God's standards and there's the world standards. Give me some examples of the world standards, because you guys are right in the middle of the world standards right now. So give me some examples of the world standards. Yep, Instagram likes. How many can I get? I mean, I look at, you know, I follow a lot of you guys, and uh, a lot of you guys have a lot of likes. That's fine. But, but, <laughs> I'm going to leave right there, but. <laughs> no, so Instagram likes. What other um, world standards do we have that we compare ourselves to or put ourselves against? Hold the audience, please. Popularity. Okay, come on, come on. We'll get, bring them out, bring them out. What other standards does the world throw at us that we try to live by? So first and foremost, every man and woman, the world standards, these are the world standards in a nutshell, that every man and woman does what is right in their own eyes. That's the world standards. Whatever is right in my eyes is, is the standard for today in today's population. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to do me. There's all these little slogans and sayings. It's based off of a personal preference, how I'm feeling. I'm going to live my life how I'm feeling today, my own personal preference. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. It's based off of society. Society is a group of people living as a, as a community. So today's society is what a lot of people base their standard of life and living by. You know, well, if the Joneses got one, I guess I got to get one. You know, before you know it, you're trying to keep up with the Joneses. You ever hear that? I actually know some Joneses, and I'm like, I ain't trying to keep up with them. But you're trying to keep up with the Joneses, so you're, you're basing it off of society. It involves, basing it off of, of uh, society involves your speech, your inner thoughts, your actions. So all of these things are based off of what your peers are doing. Because they're doing it, I guess I'm going to base my life off of, the, off, of, off of what they're doing. So the world standards. And the list goes on. There's a list that goes on of the world standards. But we 
ain't talking about the world standards. We're talking about God's standards. So I ain't going to spend too much time on the world standards. So in Proverbs 14, 12, it says, there's a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. So he's talking about the world standards. Here they're talking about, it, it, it seems, the world standards, when you look at what other people are doing, your peers, uh, people in school, people on social media, it appears that it's right. It appears that, it, what, what can happen? What's the harm? But it says here that the end is death, either spiritual death or physical in some cases. So we don't want to live by the world standards. The, the word says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. So we're going to talk about God's standards. See, God calls us to a higher standard based off of his word, both written and living. His word is, was written, and then it became alive through Jesus Christ. God's standard is based on, on, on principles like love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control being other-centered, this is all these things that, that, that are God's standard. But above all, it's love, which is what this world is, is, is missing. See, this world needs love. So Romans 12, 2, chapter 12, verse 2, says, I need, a, who can, I need a good reader. Who can read real quick? I, need someone, I want someone to read this real quick. Come on, Joe. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of maturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Give it up, Jeff. Give it up, Jeff. Yeah. So, so many times we get adjusted to our culture and just the way of living and life and just, you know, looking at today's culture, it's shifting. You know, over the, over the years, more and more things are tolerated, more and more things are accepted, more and more things are just, I'm just like, really? That's, that's okay now? And so if we base our life off of how our culture or, or society is living, then we may find ourselves doing things that we really shouldn't be doing, but because it's the norm, because everyone else is doing it, we're doing it. Does that make it right? No. Absolutely not. So we got to be careful about this. we got to be careful about this. So we're talking about the, the breastplate of righteousness. And how many of you know this, there's so many different types of righteousness? Have you ever heard of something that says self-righteous? Don't want to be dead. It's all about them. You know, there's just self-righteous. There's, there's perfect righteous, uh, righteousness. So when talking about the breastplate of righteousness, so what righteousness am I putting on? You definitely want to have the self-righteousness because that's all about you and nothing about God. But perfect righteousness is God, God is perfect. Let's just, let's just throw that out there. God is perfect. And uh, as in his standard of righteousness. So it doesn't get any more perfect than what God is. He, he's blameless. He's flawless. Wearing the breastplate for us is even possible. So you're saying put on the, the breastplate of righteousness, but it says here that God is perfect in, in any and every way, and his standard of righteousness, his call of living, is so when you say, I want to put on this breastplate of righteousness, it may seem impossible. I can't live up to that standard. Have you ever gone somewhere and someone just really, 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 really good, just good, and just, you know, it just makes you like, I, I can't, I can't live up to that. I can't do what they're doing, you know? It's just, so looking at this perfect righteousness, 
that, that God is demonstrating, it is impossible for us to. So, left to our own devices, there is no way that we can meet this standard. Adam and Eve themselves tried to do this and failed miserably. They had one job. You can do anything you want. Just don't eat that one tree. They couldn't do it. So even Adam and Eve, and we are descendants of Adam and Eve, so even Adam and Eve couldn't live up to the standard of righteousness that God set up, set up for them. So the word says that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Even in the most good-natured person that's among you, someone that's just like just just seraphs just pouring out of their pores, and just they're just so sweet and good, and seraphs just everything they do is just it just seems and appears to be perfect. Even the most good-natured person among you falls short of God's expectations. So this perfect righteousness is unobtainable. So I don't think that's the perfect righteousness that, that Paul is talking about when describing the breastplate of righteousness. See, but the enemy tries to use this against us. He tries to cause us to have the spirit of uh, perfection. And we're chasing perfectionism instead of chasing God. So the breastplate that protects us against Satan normally goes unused because we're trying to do things on our own in, instead of using the tools that, that God has given us. So does anyone tend to struggle here with perfectionism? Where are my, where are my perfect people at? Just got to be perfect, got to be lined up, got to be a certain kind of way and, and the thing can't touch it, just everything's got to be just, just right. And if you're not careful, the enemy will have you chasing this perfect idea of living in life and, and just organize things to where we're, we're pursuing that instead of God. Now, there's, no, there's nothing wrong with planning and having detail. My hat's off to you. And there's a, you know, that's, a, that's a special gift and anointing for, for you if, if things got to be perfect. But be careful because the enemy uses that against us because what happens? We've all fallen short, so no one's perfect here. So when we fall short, the enemy comes in with that, yeah, so now what am I going to do? I thought that was going to happen. I thought it was going to pan out a certain kind of way. And my expectations, I didn't meet my own expectations. And I feel defeated. And I feel just, you know, just kind of beaten and battered. And, and the enemy uses this against us sometimes. So be careful that that spirit of, or, or that, that way of, of having things being perfect doesn't consume your life. And then you gotta ask yourself, what's the motive behind this spirit or this attitude? I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna call it a spirit, I'm gonna call it an attitude of perfectionism. What is the, the, the motive behind it? Is it to please God or, or yourself? To make yourself feel a certain kind of way? We're gonna get into that. But, so you tend to struggle with perfectionism. So how does that impact, impact your life? For those of that have, that just think, want things to be perfect, how does that impact your life? When things don't pan out the way that you thought that they were going to pan out, or the, the way that you planned them, how does that affect your life? Give me some, give me some feedback for those that are perfect and love things perfect. How does that affect your life? When things don't work the way that you thought they were going to work? Frustration? Go ahead. Chaos, confused. Chaos, confused, confusion. You see what I'm saying? So those are just the tips of the iceberg of how the enemy, you know, uses that against you. And now that's not God's standard. So what happens is you transpose your own standard of living. 
because we fall short of God's glory, so trying to be righteous like God, we can't do that, but if we're not careful, we're not using the breastplate of righteousness in this situation. So, since God's perfect righteousness is unobtainable, an, un an unobtainable goal for us to reach on our own, what's the, what's the solution? There's another righteousness that's called comparative righteousness. Is anyone familiar with comparative righteousness? If you are, raise your hand. Comparative righteousness. Comparative righteousness is often used, a, a used method for determining one's righteousness. But comparison is never an accurate measure because righteousness is adherent to God's perfect standard. So even if your actions are better than someone else's, they're still not good enough for God. So comparative, comparative righteousness is where you begin to put your life against other people's lives. So we all do this, or have done this in, in, in one instance or, or another. It's where you look at someone else and you're kind of like, well, uh, yeah, I'm not a crack-smoking vampire, so I'm not as bad as that person. Um, they're going to hell. I don't think I am because I don't do that kind of stuff, you know? So you're comparing your life to someone else's. You're comparing your actions to someone else's, justifying your own sin. It's what you're really doing. You're justifying and accounting for your own actions because they're not as heinous. They're not as hateful. They're not as, you know, as bad as the other people that you're comparing, that you're comparing yourself to. So there's comparative righteousness. So, but it doesn't measure up because it's not God's righteousness. But we do this so much, comparison smooths. But it also deceives. So comparison smooths at how we feel inside, but it also deceives us, making us feel justified for our sinful actions. But to be honest, who are the people, friends, strangers, on whom you feel that you compare yourself to and why? We all do it or have done it. You find yourself comparing yourself to other people. Like, uh, you look at them and you look at yourself and you look at them and you look at yourself. I don't know what that's all about. So, but who are these people that you compare yourself to? You know? And why do we do that? Why do we have to compare ourselves to other people? That's not God's standard. That's not his, his way for us. But we still do it. So how does it make you feel? I'm going to get in your space a little bit. Get in your head a little bit. I'm going to be gentle. But I'm going to get in there just for a little bit because it's scary in Come on back up. No, so how does it make you feel when you measure yourself as better than someone else? When you look at someone's situation there and what they're doing, their actions, their life, or whatever, how does it make you feel when you look at them and you're like, I'm a little bit better than they are, you know, because I'm not doing what they're doing? How does it make you feel? Does it make you feel superior, justified, proud, accomplished, mature, smart, confident, all of the above? All of the above. How does it make you feel when you compare yourself to someone else that you feel you're a little bit better than? Okay. Let that soak in for a minute. Now, how does it make you feel when you think that you're worse than them? When you compare yourself to someone else, and it's like, uh-oh. They're a little bit better than I am at that. I didn't see that. Oh. Does it make you feel depressed, inferior, weak, ignorant, resigned, embarrassed? Record, the list goes on. 
That's why we don't do the comparison. <laughs> <laughs> So imputed righteousness. So the cross didn't just take something away from us. It didn't just take our sin. When Jesus died on the cross, he didn't just take our sin away again, like I said. It gave us something miraculous for us to use. And that's this imputed righteousness. When you trust Jesus as your personal Savior, the penalty of sin is removed and the gift of God's own righteousness is given to us. Imputed righteousness is given to us. So your acts of service doesn't give you this kind of imputed righteousness. How you act, how you look, you know, who you sit next to doesn't give you imputed righteousness. It's God's gift. When you accept Jesus Christ into your life to be your Lord and Savior, this imputed righteousness is gifted to you. So you inherit it. You, you're gifted this. It is credited in your spiritual account. You didn't know you had a spiritual account, did you? You do. You have a spiritual account. And when you accept God as your Lord and Savior, imputed righteousness is put in there because we couldn't do this on our own. There's no way we can do this on our own. So the perfection and holiness of God himself has become ours in Christ and through Christ. Imputed righteousness. See, imputed righteousness defines you, it declares you innocent before your accusers. So, imputed righteousness. So, look at someone and say, I am righteous. Through Jesus Christ, who strengthens me. So, we're talking about the breastplate of righteousness. So until we put this on, until we use this, the enemy's going to continue to jab at your heart, at your vitals. He's going to continue to put these attacks on you. So with imputed righteousness, by asking God to come into your heart as your Lord and Savior, this gives you all the tools that are necessary to go against the enemy. And the one that we're talking about now is the breastplate of righteousness. That we're not, we don't deserve. See, it, it says that sin separates us from God and, and that we all fall short. But because of his grace, his mercy, his love for us, we have this imputed righteousness. And see, that covers us. That we don't have to live. See, it's really God's standard that we're putting on our life. It's really God's standard that we're putting before our peers. It's really God's standard that when people are doing things that they shouldn't be doing, that we're doing exactly what we're supposed to be doing. That imputed righteousness, to be Christ-like, to have the mind of Christ, to put this on. It's a behavior thing. How do I act? How do I conduct myself? So, again, the word says that they'll know you by your fruit. They'll know you by your imputed righteousness. They'll know you by how you act and how you conduct yourself. So what kind of fruit are we producing? You know, as we put on the armor of God, as we're back in school, we talked about last week, and Leanna gave a great, a, a great illustration of going on vacation and leaving fruit in the, in the uh, pantry 
uh, where it was dark, creating the perfect environment for the fruit to begin to mold and create um, fruit flies that were festering and, and becoming just disgusting and just nasty and a, a putrid smell. And, and, but if we're not careful, whatever standard we're putting ourselves against, whatever standard we're living by, we're creating the perfect environment for the enemy to take the fruit that God intended to be just just blessed and, and, and Peter righteousness and, and just to be just fruitful of, and, and just sweet heaven sent and it becomes something that's not so attractive. It becomes something that doesn't have a, a good aroma. It becomes something that creates these fruit flies around it. So what standard are you living your life by? Is it God's word? Is it God's standard? Is there imputed righteousness that, that just permeates through your pores? Or is your standard based off of society and, and the worlds and social medias and, you know, so the fruit that everyone knows you by, although it may seem good right now, it's on its way or verge of, of becoming spoiled or creating fruit So I want you to think about the armor of God and thinking about the breastplate of righteousness and what it means to apply that. See, it's something that you do. If you're a believer in Christ and accept Jesus in your heart, it's already been done. But so many people have this breastplate of righteousness, but they're not using it because they're putting their life standard against the world standard and wondering why the outcome is where it is, and you're comparing the, the comparative righteousness is the most popular one that you're comparing yourself to so many other people and, and wondering why there's depression and fear. You feel weak, you feel uh, rejected, you feel embarrassed because you're not using the tools that God gave you and you're comparing your life against the world standard. So I want everyone to close their eyes. And in order to have this imputed righteousness, you first have to have a connection with God. You first have to ask our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to forgive you for your sins. And if you have never had a relationship with God, or you had one and you kind of put your life to the world's standards and not God's standards and you turn your back on him so you're, you're a fallen Christian, I want to give you an opportunity to invite him back into your heart. I want to give you an opportunity to put God's standard at the center of your life. So if you've never Ask for God to come live on in the inside of you, Holy Spirit to come live on in the inside of you, or you fall in front of him. No one's looking around. This is between them and God. I want you to slip your hand up. On the count of three. One, two, three. Anyone? I see that hand. I see that hand. So don't try to live by the world's standard. Don't try to fight the enemy with the world's tools because 
like the scripture said. It starts out really good. It starts out with high potential. But the end result is death, spiritual death. So I'm going to give you another opportunity. If you do not have a relationship with God, I want you to raise your hand. And you would like to have what we're talking about. You want to be able to have this in-game strategy to where you can combat the enemy. You can have the tools necessary to fight the enemy. Know your enemy. Know your weapons. Know your strategy. Let me give you another, another opportunity. On the count of three. One, two, three. Raise your hand if that's you. If you're tired of living this comparison game, you're tired of comparing yourself against other students, other peers, other people, other girls, other guys, people on social media. I'm tired of the comparison game. I want to live my life and see that hand. I want to live my life to your standards, God. I want to live my life according to your will, not other people's will. I'm done living this empty, hollow, shallow life. All right. Any other hands before we move on? Any other hands? That, just slip your hand up real quick if, you, if that's you. And I'm speaking to you. And the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. Then slip your hand up. All right, everyone can look up. All right, we have people that want to either rededicate their life or dedicate their life. So let's give it up for them. Everyone would stand, and we're going to say this together because we are a family. So let's say this. You say this. Say it's like you mean it. And uh, because it is the imputed righteousness that covers us from the enemy's attacks. It, it covers and protects us from from his attacks, it, it protects our heart, our vital organs. And if we say this with our mouth and believe in our heart, then this imputed righteousness will be gifted to you from the Holy Spirit. So let's say this together. Lord God, Lord God thank you so much, you so much. For, sending your son, for sending your son, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ to, die on the cross to die on the cross for my sins. For my sins. Lord, please forgive me for the choices that I've made. Forgive me for my sins, my actions that have not supported you. Holy Spirit, come and live on the inside of me. Help me to be the Christian that the Bible says that I can be. As I read your word, as I come to church, as I put action behind my words and my faith, I thank you that I will never be the same after today. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So heaven rejoices every time that someone makes a commitment or either rededicates their life or commitment. That's how much that's how important this is to God. That everything just shuts down and they begin to rejoice. Because that's one more soul, that's two more souls, that's five more souls that the enemy doesn't have a hold on. That's five more people that won't see or smell the depths of hell because of their obedience, because of the choice that they've made. Because of that imputed righteousness that is given to us. So I'm so proud of, of, of the ones that made those decisions.
So again, I can't get off of this for some reason. I want to ask you, what standard are you living by? No, no, not when you're here. This is evident when you're here. But when you're not here, what standard are you living by? Will people know you by your hurt? Will people know that you love God with all your heart because you are just an avid follower of Christ and you love him and you would do anything for him? Do people even know that you're a Christian? What standard are you living your life by? Because they'll know you by your fruit. When you say, Lord, Lord, Jesus, Jesus, I read the scripture that says that I will depart, I'll say depart from me because I don't know you because you said my name, but your actions did not support what you did. So this is not a game. Stop. Something just make us feel good on Sundays. I feel great. Woo! Yay! This is real life. Your eternity determines or depends on how serious you take this. So I'm going to ask you one more time, and I want you to think about it. You're going to tell me right now, because action speaks louder than words. Yeah. What standard are you living by when you're not here? I'm going to close on that. You guys, maybe see it.